vagina trousers. Did that get your attention? (laughs) Great. On today's show, I'm interviewing Caro Gomez, who decided to pursue her passion and launch a fashion brand while raising a family. Her mission is to empower women through her work. We're talking about how Caro tried to stifle her dreams for so long until a vision board was the thing that made her see what she had to do next. We talk about the stories that we tell ourselves about why we can't do something, why we're not enough, and what we can do instead when our subconscious is trying to keep us small. We talk about following the joy and how we can pass that on to our kids. We talk about the stories that abound in the fashion industry, creative industries, and heck, just about any industry, about why we can't make money doing what we love. And we talk about why that's rubbish. We're talking about so much today, all of this and more. I absolutely loved interviewing Caro. I know you're going to love her too. So let's get to it. Let's go to the show. You're listening to the Limitless Mother podcast, bringing you strategy, mindset, and a dash of woo. If you want to learn how you can balance motherhood and money-making beautifully, if you want to learn the strategy, mindset, and manifestation tips you need to do more of what lights you up, attract more ideal clients, make more money, and enjoy more time freedom, if you want to create this vision of success because you are a mother not in spite of it, then you are in the right place, my love. I'm your host, success coach, business mentor, mother, and tea drinker, Corey Javid. So join me while we explore what's possible for us as mothers and business owners when we remove the limits. So ladies, with me on the show today is Caro Gomez. Caro is a Latin American textile designer who lives in London with her husband and two children. Originally from El Salvador, Caro has carried her roots with her throughout her fashion journey and her work is heavily inspired by the colors, patterns and flair of the Latin American lifestyle. Caro's upcoming collection is aimed at women who want to feel joyful and powerful because she believes that empowered women change the world. Amen to that. (laughs) I'm excited to have Caro on the show today because I already know that she's into mindset manifestation. So I'm intrigued to find out about how she's applied these tools and concepts to starting a fashion brand whilst raising a family. But I'm also excited to discuss feminism, empowering women, and vagina trousers. Yes, you heard me right, vagina trousers. Welcome to the Limitless Mother podcast, Caro. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. It's really cool to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I feel like everyone's going to want to know what vagina trousers are if they don't know you already, but let's keep them guessing for a little bit, shall we? (laughs) Let's start with how you got to where you are today. I know you were born in El Salvador and you spent some time in Milan and now you're settled in London. So tell us a little bit about that journey. Um, Sure. Uh, It's a really um, interesting journey. And I think like it's one of those uh, things where, you know, you think back in your life and you're like, oh, if that would have gone a different way, then this would have happened and that would have happened. And I think that's kind of exactly why like now that I'm here I can go oh yeah that's why that happened Mm. (laughs) so um so yeah so I'm originally from El Salvador and I um when I was 17 I finished school over there and I was like oh my gosh I want to be a fashion designer and if I need to go and do this I need to go to Milan you know that's where I thought Mm -hmm. So, and um, especially because back then in El Salvador, there really wasn't a culture of design and mm-hmm. art. I mean, it was maybe you had graphic design that you could study um, in university, but other than that, that was about it. And we don't, I mean, at the time, there wasn't really a big sort of push for designers and art. So I was like, mm-hmm. I 
deep. So I did a huge research file from parents uh, and presented it to them. Look, this is what I want to do. And, uh, you know, this is where I'm going to go. And I need to learn Italian. So I'm going to Florence first to learn Italian. And then I'm going Mm -hmm. to fun. And so I said, it all up and, <laughs> and did my presentation which went well and so mm-hmm. I'm there and uh, I mean Florence was amazing in terms of culture it was my first time in Europe as well so oh, wow. yeah you know I think when you're from here you take it for granted but when you just read about it in books and and you just think about it in your head and then you're there it's it's amazing so mm-hmm. It was an amazing experience. And then I moved to Milan um, to start my fashion design career there. However, my sort of world of fashion was imagined because I had never really been in it. And then in Milan, experience it. And it really wasn't what I was expecting. Um, and it's, it was ex- exactly like what you would see now in like sort of Devil Wears Prada sort of situation. <laughs> Um, you know, lots of air kissing. I mean, I, I really couldn't integrate into society there. And, um, and I did experience a lot of, I mean, I guess discrimination from being from Latin America Wow. and not being able to maybe speak the language, you know, sort of super well, or I don't know, it was just really hard. And, um, and even though there were other Latin American people there that we did sort of stick together to some respect, it was just them and us sort of situation and I mean I, I felt really sad like, most of the time and the city wasn't mm-hmm. very nice either <laughs> but in Milanese Italian listeners um the food was lovely but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know maybe because my experience was not what I was expecting and I built mm-hmm. this whole idea and it just went pear-shaped in the end um so I, I I thought this is not for me, you know, or maybe I'm not even meant to be a fashion designer and I'm questioning all that. And so I was like, that's it. I'm just going to go back and take a bit of time to think about it. And just at that point, my brother who lived in America was diagnosed uh, with cancer. And uh, oh. yeah, and it just coincided when I was going through this, when that happened. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go to America and be with him so that I can help him and mm. I have to be here. So <laughs> at the time I said, you know, this is why I'm leaving. But actually now that I think about it, it's because I wasn't happy there. And it just, mm. um, that, you know, he was going through that. So, and I was like, well, I'll just go and be with him. And so I was in America for about six months uh, before my visa ran out. Uh, <laughs> And then this is where the part of the story turned. My brother is okay now. He's in remission and has been. Good. Yes. So that's very good. And, um, but at that point, before I left, the, uh, I had to leave the country because obviously you have these permits. And if you stay over, then, you know, it's like a big problem. So I left after six months and I was like, well, I'm going to come back to the U.S. and just study here in the same university as my brother in Alabama. I'll find something that kind of resembles fashion or design and it'll be great. So as I'm coming back to the U.S. after I left, um, the immigration officer at the border says, oh, can you go to the little room, please, with the orange door? And I was like, "Okay, fine. And I just come back from a trip from Mexico. So I was like, 
tanned and wearing braids and like, you know, I was 19. <laughs> and I go to this little room and there's like a lot of Latin American people, you know, from, I don't know, around the, around El Salvador, I suppose, Central America mostly. And basically they didn't let me go into the U.S. because they said that I'd been too long there before. And like, how come I was there for so long? And how come I spoke English so well? I mean, I don't even know. <laughs> how dare you speak English so well? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. They checked my bags. They said, how come you only have $5 in your pocket? And I'm like, well, I just went on a holiday. So, you know, okay, so long story short, I haven't been back to the US in 16 years. Wow. Yeah. yeah that's when I decided to come to London because I thought, well, I already speak English. <laughs> so, you know, so they you know. <laughs> So I came here and um, and I came to study fashion and I wanted to go to St. Martin's and I did my foundation there, but then I didn't get into the women's wear course. And they suggested I should do textiles. Um, and I, I really enjoyed the textile part of it. Um, but it was like, well, yeah, you're telling me I'm not good at fashion. So maybe I should just forget about fashion all in all. <laughs> wow. Uh, and I went to textile design instead in Chelsea, uh, which was great. It was an amazing course. Um, but I, after that, I shun out fashion for the next 10 years because I was like, obviously, I'm not a designer. I mean, they told me you're not a designer. <laughs> and I oh, Isn't that just, oh, isn't it awful how when we're young and like looking back now, I think, you know, things have worked out for you, obviously, but when we're young, people can just tell us stuff and we it can be just so brutal and we can take it on. And I think even now, you know, we're not always completely um, immune to it, but someone can tell us something and it's just their opinion and we can just take it for fact and change the course of what we're doing and modify our dreams based on something somebody kind of made us believe at the time, which was their opinion. Absolutely. And I wouldn't, I mean, at the time, obviously, because I didn't have any kind of sense of what is a good a good and I'm using quotes because what is a good fashion designer what isn't so I just kind of assumed they were right and Mm. and that you know yeah I spent the next 10 years like I said I mean I was doing interiors um you know kind of in that world but then I went into social media when it started you know being part Mm -hmm. of world and I just kind of thought well that's the thing that I maybe once was interested in and now I'm not and now I don't know what I'm meant to be doing with my life (laughs) yeah (laughs) wow so from that place then how did you actually come about to start your fashion brand that you have now what inspired that what made you get back to that love of yours well I guess the funny thing is like you know we think when like teenagers or kids that we don't know anything about life and I actually we know so much more at that point in life than you're mm. on and and I think you know looking back at my childhood or, or my teenage years like what I did you know like in school I remember I set up my own fashion show and I got my friends to be my models and I did clothes for them and you know at my home I used to like take out all my clothes and like change them up and cut them up and you know mm-hmm. it was just something I did which I thought was play but actually it's just kind of stuff that's inside of you you know and mm-hmm. all have that like you talk to friends and they would say oh yeah I used I remember I used to do xyz and then mm-hmm. they are somehow doing that or 
not doing that, you know, depending on how they um, support or the support that they've got or not. And I think that's what happened for me where about a year ago, I was just like, you know, I was working in property at one point because it well. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, gosh, is this what I'm meant to be doing now? Like I was two years there and then I got pregnant towards the end, which I think was a subconscious way to get out of it. <laughs> yeah, as you do. Um, and I, I was just like, I don't know that this is what I want to be doing for the rest of my life. You know, um, this feels right. I, I come home, I'm tired, I have dinner, I'm with the girls, I'm with my husband, and then I watch Netflix and then I go to bed. And it's like, it just felt really dead almost. Like, mm. a, like fine, but not like joyous and, and powerful and exciting and scary. So I kind of felt kind of dead bored of my life and I was like this this can't be it you know and so I've been wanting to do a a vision board for so long and I've been putting it off you know as you do when you procrastinate and you just you know don't do the things that you know you need Mm -hmm. I was like fine I'm gonna do it now and whatever comes out there I need to do something about you know so I I had about four magazines because like I said I hadn't done fashion so I didn't have any fashion magazines at home um, I think I had some techie things and some property things and some like, I don't know, I can't remember. It was four magazines. And then I started cutting out things and putting on the board this and that and the other. I was like, I'm sure this is not going to be anything, but fine, I'll do it. I put some music on and then I kind of finished and then looked back and I was so shocked, you know, because everything about it was fashion in some way or, you know. Wow. <laughs> I had fashion models or anything because I didn't have any fashion magazines. It was just like, um, you know, maybe like a T-shirt. And then I put it with some shape that looked like this. And like, and I put words, you know, like uh, dress your uh, dress with the power of your soul or something like that. Or, you know, like, and I was just like, oh, my God. And then I started crying. (laughs) (laughs) No matter how hard you try. away you know it's still in there isn't it and I think it's so interesting what you were saying about how as kids we have this you know this knowledge almost of of what's inside of us and we embrace it and then somewhere along the way that adult life kind of takes over and we stop believing in possibility and we stop believing in our dreams and then we end up in a situation like you found yourself in and I was in a similar situation in the corporate world where I just like looked around at my life and I was like is this it you know and I felt awful for even thinking that I felt that terrible guilt for wanting more and not even really knowing what more meant to me so I can totally resonate with your story and that feeling of pushing down those dreams inside of you and trying to squash them. But eventually they come back up if you allow them, don't you? So I'd love for anyone listening to this who isn't pursuing something that's, you know, their passion or that lights them up. And it could be with a business, but it could be actually, you know, a hobby. It doesn't actually matter. But having an outlet for something that's, you know, purely for pleasure and makes you feel joyous about you and your life so important and don't squish it down <laughs> let it out <laughs> I love the, that 
And I, I remember um, recently hearing this um, podcast uh, masterclass with Oprah Winfrey, and I keep telling people about mm-hmm. it, but it was so powerful. And she talks about it's it's about her life, two parts, and and it's about her life. And and I mean, she had such a horrible, you know, sort of childhood and and all these things, and and you know, she's become who she's become, and. But she talked throughout her life, she had these whispers, you know, which were kind of telling her where she should go. And then they became louder and louder and louder to the point where she couldn't ignore those things that she knew, you know, she knew she had to like teach. She knew she had to um, be kind of like a voice for people and that sort of thing. And I, I like that idea of whispers because I think we have them through our life, you know, and we just kind of go, oh, yeah, that thing. And ignore it and go on, you know, maybe a few more years, maybe a decade, maybe 20 years. And then they become, yeah, louder and louder. And I think that's exactly what happened at that point where I put it all on paper, which is why I think it's really powerful when you have these thoughts. Because normally what, what we do is, and I mean, I still do that, where I have a thought and I'm like, oh, yeah, no, but I can't do that because of A, B, mm. C, and then you forget about it. And now I'm trying to get into the habit of no matter how crazy it sounds, write it down and just leave, you know, I mean, it doesn't, because yes, your normal brain, like your, um, you know, your brain is wired to find the danger and the fear in everything. So, so you, you kind of just go, oh, oh yes. Hi. I can see you're trying to protect me, but it's okay. No no tiger is chasing us today, you know? down this idea so I think that's a you know it's just a really cool thing that that I I I, I works for me so I think if you know if anyone listening feels like oh my gosh but I could never do this you know yeah and that's that's immediately our kind of knee-jerk reaction so often is is that you have that thought that flash of inspiration or that just tug on your heart to do something and then you immediately tell yourself 10 reasons why it's not possible (laughs) instead of saying 10 reasons why it is possible Yes, we're not wired to think that way, so it it's okay. We don't have to beat ourselves hard on ourselves, but but it's just like a a conscious decision of then going, okay, fine. If you want to tell me ten reasons why I can't do this, then tell me ten reasons why I can. You know, mm-hmm. I balance it out. I think. Um, yeah, we have to make the effort to kind of rewire those those processes in a positive way. So I love that suggestion of, of right just getting into the habit of writing it down as, as the first thing notice the flash of inspiration notice that kind of pull just write it down don't censor it yeah exactly. yeah I love that so tell me then how you went from the vision board that told told you that you know come on wake up Kara it's time to do something in fashion how how long did it take you from that point to actually well launching your fashion brand it was a, a you know the the timing, it was just kind of beautiful because I launched the website on the 8th of March and literally a year before that, um, it was when I started to do this work. So it's, it's, yeah, it's been a year. Um, and I, at the time I had, um, after doing my vision board, I was okay. So yeah, I know what you're trying to tell me subconscious. Thanks uh I'm listening now and so I did a timeline of a year and how long it would take to do a collection and and to be honest like 
I'm I'm not even sure that 20, 30 years down the line, it'll be Carol, the fashion designer. I just know that now this mm. is where I need to be. Like this is my, where my energy needs to go. And so uh, I did a timeline of a year of how long it would take me from, you know, creating a collection, which to be honest, I mean, I, I know how to create collections from textile design, but not so much from fashion. So it's a similar process, but I think there, there's probably things that I don't know. And, and, and I, I let that stop me for a long time. Like, uh, I'm not actually a fashion designer. I didn't actually study that, you know? And so I, that stopped me, but I was like, it doesn't matter, whatever, I'll do it my way. Who cares? No one's looking, no one cares anyway, you know? <laughs> and I divided it into courses kind of said, okay, I'm going to do this by this time. I'm going to do this by this time, not by that time. And because I've always been so much more interested in, in the textile part of it, I just started experimenting with, with textiles because that's what I kind of inherently knew. And I um, started just at home, you know, kind of spending maybe an hour a week uh, or two hours, just like, okay, what, what, what do I want to do with textiles like you know I went to my cupboard and I took out some bed sheets old bed sheets and started mm -hmm. with a um, painting which is how I started with the painting thing that I do now but you know I look at the stuff back then and it was just like oh my gosh this is awful <laughs> but it's just part of that getting re back in touch with that creative side of you right it was definitely like I can see the progress now from a year, you know, from that bed sheet. And I'll post a photo of it soon on my Instagram because I think it's really interesting. Of that sheet, um, where I thought at the time, oh my gosh, this is awesome, you know. And I look at it now and I'm like, ooh, okay, it's a good start. <laughs> but um, it was just about doing, you know, and kind of they say like if you feel stuck and overwhelmed not doing anything not a <laughs> kind of something doesn't matter what it is you know like just get that sort of moving inspiration yes fires you know reactions so um I think yeah so that that's kind of how I how I did it and and you know I started experimenting with these with these um sheets and paints and stuff and then I was like, okay, and what about, you know, how can I turn it into a dress? And oh my gosh, I hadn't designed a dress in such a long time. So I, I took one of my dresses that I have and I looked at it and I was like, oh, I love this shape. So I'll just do this shape. And I did that, you know, and that was it. Mm -hmm. So sewed it in the sewing machine, really basic because I'm not like a, an amazing, you know, sewing person. Um, so, but, but I did and I wore it and I took a photo with it and did a photo shoot outside my house, you know, and it, it kind of felt real, you know? I love that. I love that. And I love that you just took the step, next step each time that was in front of you. And you didn't kind of like let that fear of like, oh, well, I'm not this and I'm not that, or I don't know how to do this yet, or I don't know how to do that, hold you back that you were like, okay, well, I'm just going to start playing with textiles. And then, okay, I quite like this. I'm going to make it into a dress. How do I do that? And I look at a dress I've got. I love that you just kind of like figuring out the next step in front of you and just taking action little by little. I love that because so often we feel like we have to have it all mapped out, it all figured out ahead of us and to know some really slick strategy. But actually it can be as simple as what can I do right now? What action can I take today? You know, 
let I, me figure it out. That's a really good point. The, the step that what's the step in front of you? Because even now I do feel the overwhelm sometimes. It's like, oh my gosh, okay, now I have a collection and and now what do I do? <laughs> you know? And so and it's and it's really interesting because I used to um, and I still do this. I mean, it's it's quite a human thing to be like, oh, but you know, they're so much more advanced in this, and like they're doing like mm-hmm. oh, this huge thing over there with this partnership over there, and and it's like, well, you can't compare your chapter one to someone's chapter ten. You know, it's really unfair on you. Yes. And just that comparison, it's so easy for us to do, but it's just, it's so irrelevant because most of the time when we're comparing, we don't know the full picture anyway. We're looking at the Instagram like highlight reel, basically. Um, and it just kills our joy by when we can, you know, go into that comparison mode. Oh, and actually, now that you just said the killing of the joy, I think that's the thing that like I'm letting me, I like I'm letting it be my guide because the joy component and this is why I talk about it when I do my clothes and as part of kind of like who I am and and the thing that I want to transmit with them because I'm like if this thing stops giving me the joy that I'm feeling I'm not going to do it anymore and I I don't care that people think oh well you know you've invested all this time in it and it's like well yeah but you know like it would have stopped me a few years ago you know it did for many you know I stayed in jobs that I didn't feel any joy just because I thought I had to you know and and now I'm like well no that's one of my non-negotiables you know if it stops saving me that then it's got to go or it's got to change or it has to bring it back somehow yes I love that and I I think you know actually a lot of us are afraid to follow the joy because we don't associate that with safety and security and you know or we think it's risky to just purely follow the joy but actually so often our idea of what what is safe and secure isn't you know that kind of safe or secure job can be you know whipped out from under you in a moment's notice that happened to me you know and (laughs) so you know so actually if you follow the joy I do think that you can carve out the right path for you in your business if you tap into what feels good for me right now what feels good in this moment and it can be quite a scary thing to really allow ourselves to do that to be led by what feels good because we're so used to being led by well what should I be doing what's the the right thing to be doing what have I been told is the process but actually you really can't go very far wrong if you trust yourself and trust yourself to follow the joy and figure it out because really that's all that can happen. If something goes uh, you know, down a path you weren't expecting or something doesn't pan out how you wanted it to, as long as you have that self-trust and keep following the joy, I believe that you'll never go too far wrong. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I, I mean, I agree. And, and the thing is, we need to be reminding ourselves almost every day of that because you know, because it's not easy to follow your joy. And also like have people outside of you that maybe mean well, but then they're like trying to like, bring you down of your thing, you know, and, and, and then you start listening to those voices and they start, you start kind of questioning yourself a lot and then kind of going, oh, maybe they're right. Or maybe I should be thinking about this. And especially with kids, you know, mm-hmm. 
it's a whole different <laughs> ball game because obviously it's not just you it's like someone else you know mm-hmm. but on the flip side what the thing I try to re- remind myself and you know in those instances is that I want to model this behavior for my daughter I want to teach her how to follow the joy and I think we probably all of us even if you feel, you know, if you're listening to this and you're feeling totally scared by the idea of following the joy and it just seems like, oh, I, I couldn't possibly do that for all these reasons. Have a think about, would you want your child to do that? Would you want your child to follow the joy? Of course, of course, that's what we would want for them. We want them to live like a joy-filled life. So how are, the, how are they going to do that? How can we empower them and enable them to do that by modeling that behavior ourselves first, right? Our actions speak louder than words. So that can give you the motivation to stick on that path, I think. Yeah, yeah, actually, I agree, especially because kids, you know, uh, you know, especially the first six, six years of their lives, they're like sponges, everything you do, they start internalizing it, it starts mm. with their subconscious. So if you start modeling things around, um, you know, follow your joy, and it'll be okay, and the money will follow kind of thing, you know, don't worry about that kind of thing, just make sure that you're living your truth sort of situation something you know you gotta I mean I, I I've only started sort of this thinking and more about personal development and that side of things until maybe the past couple of years but more recently past year and my I have an 11 year old and I have a three-year-old so obviously very different things will go in <laughs> <laughs> yeah 11 year old is really interesting because um, she's able to understand these things and, and see them and appreciate them at a different level. So she can see me and her dad, because her dad or my husband is also going through his thing, you know, and he's working towards being a stand up comedian and a writer. Wow. And so she's seeing us going through this journey, you know, and it's like, oh, your dad has a, a comedy show tonight, you know, uh, whatever. Or, I'm doing a market next weekend. And, you know, so she sees those things. And I think that's really powerful. What a beautiful legacy to pass on to her, that, that dual example of both of you pursuing your dreams. I love that. That's so beautiful. So tell me about what it is like actually though, starting a fashion brand and having two kids. <laughs> it's, it's like birthing another child while trying to raise the other two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's, you know, when one of my sort of biggest excuses for not doing the thing that I wanted to do was, well, I don't have time. Look, mm-hmm. I mean, this, is, this was the thing, my story, right? I have a full-time job. I have a, a, a little one because she was much younger at the time. And I have a preteen, you know, whose hormones are starting to kick in. And so, you know, plus I have, you know, my husband, my social life, my do-do-do. And it was also the reason why I didn't go to the gym. You know, I don't have time for that either. Like, I want to rest, you know. That was kind of my reasoning. And then it turns out that when you start doing the thing that really makes you tick, somehow time expands. It's magic because... I, I I didn't change anything. I mean, it, later on I did in terms of time, but like I, I made time for the thing that I wanted to do. You know, I made time to take out those bed sheets and put them in my living room and put some music on and start painting on them. And, and it didn't stop me from still doing my full-time job, still being a mom, still being a wife, still being a friend. You know, it, 
it just kind of happened that it worked. And then obviously the more I started focusing on the thing, uh, on the fashion side of things, the more time I seem to have, which is sounds crazy. And, and I, and I couldn't even say like, Oh yes, I had a schedule where from 10 to three, I did, the, you know, I didn't, I did it at night probably. Oh yeah. The one like actual practical thing that I did do is I canceled my Netflix. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and that- That's so interesting that you said that because so often I hear this, you know, I don't have time and we are busy when we're mothers and, you know, business owners or even employed or whatever the situation is, or even just, you know, or just being full-time, you know, mothering is a big job and it's time consuming. So it's easy for us to tell ourselves that I'm too busy, but it's actually just a lie. It's just a story. If, if you wanted to pursue some passion, some of your passion, whatever that is, you can find the time. We all have time for Netflix, right? We all have time for mindless scrolling on social media and when we look at the clock and we realize, oh my God, I've been on Facebook for an hour or Instagram for an hour. What have I done with that hour? I've done nothing. We, we all do that, but we, we can all find time. It might not be several hours, but even just half an hour a day, you can. And you have to make that time. And I love that you said that, you know, you just started making that time. Sometimes we have to take that time even, be a little bit more forceful about, hey, this is my dream. This is what I'm doing. I'm doing this for me and I'm important. My dream's important. My passion's important. So I'm going to carve out the time. I'm going to find it and take it. So I love that you spoke to that. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's that thing of, um, well, how bad do you want it? I mean, yeah. you know, it's just, if you don't want it that bad, then it's, it's okay. No one's going to like, you know, be upset, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's your life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no one really kind of will tell you off, <laughs> but but then it's kind of like a it's like a self-integrity question to yourself, you know, like how much do you really want it? And I have to ask myself whenever I find myself mindlessly scrolling through Instagram, <laughs> you know, we all do it. Or yeah. Kind of spending way too much time watching, uh, binging on something, um, which again, you know, sometimes you have to do it. That's that's totally cool. But then when it when it's taking away from your joy, then that's when you kind of got to ask yourself that question you know yeah yeah and it's making that decision in that moment can be tough as well because sometimes you know you are tired and you feel like oh I just want to flop in front of the tv and do nothing but you're making that decision for what's easy now rather than what would feel good in the future you know if I took that hour right now and did something with it or even half an hour you know if I put pen to paper or listened to something inspiring instead or made a plan or just started wrote down some words or made some sketches whatever the thing is you know that contributes to and compounds over time to whatever it is that you want to work towards so it's making that decision in that moment between okay what's what's best for me versus what feels easy right now yeah and I think that comes with the with the time with the kids you know like I did like I said with the oldest one I did have a conversation with her and said look I'm going I mean I'm doing this thing And you may feel like maybe I don't have like the same time with you or you may feel, you know, all these things. Uh, But I kind of had the the conversation of like, this could happen, but it's because of this reason. And to be honest, I don't think there's been a time or a moment where I've felt like, oh my gosh, I'm spending no time. Like it's never Mm -hmm. that situation also because 
at least with the oldest one, I do try and involve her. You know, I'm like, oh, what do you think of this color? Or what do you like this? And sometimes mm -hmm. she paints with me as well, you know. So it's, you find a way to kind of get them involved. Um, you know, she she had to go with me with, with the market I did recently at Greenwich Peninsula. I mean, we, you know, our, my husband was there as well. So, but she kind of saw me, you know, there and we were there and, and I went out, you know, and left my husband in charge for a bit. And then I went with her. So, you know, it will never be like, if I don't do this, I don't think that me not doing my, pursuing my dream would give me more time to be with them. Cause I'd probably, I don't know, going out with friends or watching Netflix or, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think the other thing is, is when we get intentional with our time, we're like, hey, I'm going to carve out some time for this thing of mine. It actually makes us more intentional with our time with our kids sometimes, because you are aware that, well, I don't want them to feel like suddenly mummy's got no time for them. So with the time that you are spending together, you're kind of more present, or that's been my experience anyway, that I'm kind of more present, more intentional about, okay, what are we going to do together? What will feel good for her? But also I love that you talked about, you know, involving um, your eldest daughter and to asking her, you know, what do you think of this or getting her painting with you and stuff. And I think that's the thing is we don't have to keep our businesses completely separate from our families. And the more that you can involve the kids and like, I love that they, you know, even the little one got an insight into what it's like to be at the market. That's a really enriching experience for her because she's seeing, you know, into that world from a really young age and seeing mummy doing her thing. That's like a really positive experience. And we shouldn't feel like just because it's, you know, not spending time pushing her on the swings that day that it doesn't count you know yeah exactly yeah I think yeah it's just a different way of spending time together and the mm. other thing I will say though because I think it doesn't get said enough is sometimes I do have to say no sorry I don't have time right now um, mm -hmm. but I will later you know I always kind of preempted with not now but later I try whenever I <laughs> don't forget to don't to say no you know that's it mm -hmm. <laughs> because I yeah. Sometimes we feel guilty as moms that we have to say no. And and I'm all of the thinking, it's okay to say no. You know, you yeah. have to feel like you have to say yes to every whim, everything. And, and you know, and yeah, and, and, you know, she will be, I mean, I'm thinking about Maya, my oldest one, and she will be like, oh, but why not? You know, I want to do this thing. And it's like, well, because I'm busy doing this and I need to finish it. Sorry. You know, this is my job and this is important to me. So yeah. and I d I don't think that's a bad thing, you know, for them to see that you know you're doing something that's important to you and and you're not saying like no, I'm I'm always too busy. You're saying like not right now, but later let's do that. Yeah. I I love that you've said that cuz I think you're right that doesn't get said enough, you know. We do talk about, you know, fitting business around kids, but it doesn't mean kind of shoving it in all of the sort of little nooks and crannies and so that they never see it and that they never uh, you know um, hear about it or never impacted by it at all. I think, you know, we need to be realistic and and be okay with sometimes, you know, you need to work. <laughs> and that's just how it is, you know. <laughs> Self-employed, it will be at random times, you know. It's not yeah. full-time, just, you know. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that's the beauty of it, right, is that it can be flexible like that. So let's talk a little bit about, I know that you, I think we could be talking all day. I, I love talking to you, but I want to get to a couple of topics still while we have some time. So 
I'd love to, you to tell us, I think we have to talk about the vagina trousers because we teased that at the beginning and people are probably thinking, what are they? Tell me about them. Tell me about using fashion to empower women and as a feminist tool. I love this. Yeah. So basically, uh, one of my big things, um, so it's just drivers really in my life that I've done constantly at some point or other in different ways, but it's always about supporting communities that that are less fortunate than I have been. And, you know, I come from Latin America where there is a lot of poverty and a lot of misfortune, but there is a lot of talent and a lot of, of people that are so incredibly creative, but they don't have the tools or the support or the financial means to, to, to grow from that and to show it to the world. And I've been fortunate enough that I have, you know, I'm here in a country where it allows me to do those things and to live off those things as well. So I work very closely with the Latin American community here in London because I want to basically build uh, my brand around Latin American hands and supporting the women that are as talented as, as I'm telling you they are and, and show the world that they are. And the vagina trousers are kind of a um, a physical station of that. And um, so the vagina trousers themselves are actually vaginas that I've drawn. Uh, I created an illustration with it, just thinking about women, you know, and about how little we know about our vaginas, you know, and the mm. some people don't even know the difference between a vulva and a vagina, you know, or that the clit mm. like this huge organ in comparison and it's not just a little you know area that we think it is it's more than that mm-hmm. and um and and i think the more we get to know ourselves is the more empowered we can feel the more we're able to then go out into the world and do the things that we want to do and you know change it <laughs> make it better <laughs> which is kind of like a driving force for me is just make the world a better place love that yeah and you know and so when i work with these women I, I mean, you have to see them when they, they see the finished piece, you know, because the, the vaginas are embroidered panels on one side of the trouser. And not only do they help with, you know, shaping your body, because <laughs> that's also very intentional for my designs, but it's also a very powerful symbol of, of you know, wearing your power, wearing, you know, wearing a, a significance, uh, um, like an actual physical manifestation of the thing you have inside that brings creativity because it is said, you know, that um, your creativity lies within that region, you know, Mm -hmm. and blockage or energy that's not flowing, then it doesn't flow. And as soon as I started, you know, drawing them on paper, I did sculptures as well with bacon and, and, (laughs) and, (laughs) and threads (laughs) stuff started to flow and so it's it's a really kind of it's been a process and now you know from the from the sculptures to the illustration to the embroidery on the trousers to them actually being trousers and t-shirts as well made by latin american hands it's just a full circle sort of thing for me and kind of saying like yeah here's one example of of who we are as a community but also who we are as 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 women you know who I love that I love it because I love that you're using the vagina as a symbol of, of like power because so often we have all these phrases in our culture don't we like 
you know, strap on a pair or this person's got so much balls or whatever. And, you know, the, the male anatomy is used as symbols uh, of power. Let's take back our own bodies and see our own bodies as powerful because we're powerful, right? We have power within us. We have creativity within us. So I love that you're actually using the vagina, you know, and the illustration of it as a symbol of power in your fashion. I think that's wonderful. No, and it's like, uh, I, can I can I say a bad word? In the- <laughs> yeah, go for it. <laughs> the phrase big dick energy, right? <laughs> so it's obviously what you're saying. It's about the, the male sort of empowerment of it. But like the alternative to that is big bush energy. And that's promoting. <laughs> so, so you can sign up to say to my mailing list, we call big bush energy. And and it's not about selling. It's not about me sending you my latest whatever. Because I'm. I mean, of course, I want to sell, but but I'm more interested in like building a community of women that are like empowered, you know, and know about themselves, know about their body. And this is what that. I mean, it's a really kind of important part for me actually. Now that I'm talking about it as well, because I feel so like my blood is like feeling all excited inside. But you know, it's about like being part of this big bush energy sort of clan and getting to know ourselves so much that we can walk into any room and feel like we own it you know mm. <laughs> so anyway. I love that yeah and that and that I think for so long for so many women has been the case that we've not felt like we can walk into a room and, and own it you know and certainly even now in, in a lot of the kind of corporate space, it is still a very male energy that dominates. So I love the idea of just really uh, leaning into and owning our feminine energy and seeing it as, as powerful and seeing it as the thing that can bolster us to feel like we can do what we want to do and, and go where we want to go and we can make the rules as well, <laughs> make our own rules. And that's, you know, that's why I started my business. I, the listeners to the show might have heard me say before I started my business because I was pissed off at the corporate you know, employment landscape and the compromise that I saw everywhere. And I wanted something that worked for me as as a mother who wanted to be present and the kind of mum that I wanted to be. And I the corporate world didn't give me a means to do that mm. whilst doing something that fulfilled me and paid me well. So, you know, so for me that was my kind of like act of feminism was starting my business and saying, well, I'm gonna make the rules for myself and then I'm gonna help other women do the same you know so I love that that's something that drives you too yeah well it is true you're right it is an act of feminism to start your own business you know because you're making your own rules you're not going by anyone else's or by anything that society has deemed that it should be you know the pay gap is a huge issue with this stuff you know and now when we start our own thing we're saying well you know I have no limit to what I can earn you know thank you very much (laughs) <laughs> so. yeah there's no there's no cap on it I don't have to wait for the yearly pay review and I just get told what my increase is on someone's judgment of my performance <laughs> like I get to decide <laughs> I mean it's very it's a very powerful thing so guys go do it <laughs> Start. yes <laughs> <laughs> and let's just let's just talk about money while we're just on the topic actually because I know that you're into manifestation you're into mindset I'd love to know your take on making money for within the arts and the creative industries because of course there's this like long-standing archetype of the impoverished artist and that creatives can't make money easily what's your spin on that well I think it it again is like 
that example of, well, tell me 10 reasons why I can't do it and 10 reasons why I can't is, is exactly that. I mean, mm. if you start Googling poor artists in the past, whatever century, you'll find a whole list. If you start Googling rich and successful artists in the past century, you'll find a whole list. So, you know, where focus goes, energy flows. So mm-hmm. oh, you kind of have to like, look at this, the side of the coin that suits you and your story and your goals and your needs. So that's what I tried to focus on. Because yeah, I mean, just I think recently, what was it that I did? Oh, yeah, I went to a workshop, I did a workshop, and um, it was being led by an artist, I mean, super amazing work that she did uh, embroidery, but, you know, she just commented, I mean, just kind of an off-cuff comment where, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm so poor, you know, I can't pay anything or something like that. But but it's it's so ingrained that no one really sort of even like questions it and goes wait a minute why where where can we talk about that where did that come from can we Mm. can I you know can I show you some evidence of the contrary because I think that's the thing if you believe that you're not going to make any money out of doing your creative thing then you probably won't make any yeah yeah because you'll be closed to all the ideas for making money because you just assume that you can't so in that moment and this is true of anybody whether it's, you know, in the creative industry, which is such a kind of pervasive theme, that's why I wanted to talk about it, but it applies to anybody in in anything that they're doing. I work with women in all different types of industries. And so often when they first come to work with me, one of the things we talk about is pricing. Um, Because my clients will tell you, I'm quite quite ruthless, like with like, we're putting your prices up, it's happening, get to grips with it. Um, And I've had so many women say, oh, but I think just with my industry or my profession or the thing that I'm doing, I don't think it's possible to say hit fix, hit six figures, for example, just to use that kind of benchmark. And I'll be like, why not? And they're like, well, because this, because this, because this. And I'm like, rubbish. This is just a story you're telling yourself. And I can get my whiteboard out and quickly map you out a way that you could hit six figures in your business for pretty much any business that comes to me. You know, it's it doesn't have to be true that you can't make money, but we all tell ourselves, or so many of us tell ourselves, because we've had it ingrained in us, you know that it's going to be difficult or it's hard to make money or, you know, even if they think that it's possible in their profession, so many women say to me, oh, well, I think it's possible, but I don't want to make loads of money because I don't want to sacrifice um, time with my family. I don't want to sacrifice my kind of well-being. And I'm like, that is another story as well that we're perpetuating. We get to, we get to decide, we get to make the rules of, actually, I'm going to make lots of money, I'm going to enjoy it, and I'm not going to sacrifice. <laughs> like, we can yeah. do that. <laughs> I think, again, this comes back to, you know, what is the society and the culture or what the story that they tell us is like, well, you can't have it all. If you have more money, Mm -hmm. you have less time. If you have this thing, then you can't have the other thing. And, you know, it's always like it's always been told to us as one or the other. But who came up with that? Like who? you know i'd like to find the person that can that thing in the first place and be like well let's before we start spreading that let's just say actually you can't have this and this and this you know you just need to map it out and make it happen kind of thing you know (laughs) you just have to believe that you can and decide that you're going to basically (laughs) that's kind of all it takes yeah and that's where that's actually kind of what what continues to drive me forward in my business because i'm at a point where i could coast and be kind of comfortable but I want to 
be proving that we can be making more money and not increasing our hours. We can be making more money doing stuff that we enjoy. We can be making more money and be the kind of present parents that we want to be. You know, because I feel like we need more examples. So I love that you're, you know, out there in the fashion industry pushing that, you know, message and saying, hey, we don't have to be poor, guys. <laughs> and that it's okay to want to make money, you know. Yes. And there's no stigmas or there shouldn't be there is loads of stigma surrounding the whole idea of I want to make money and you know well that makes you really greedy and materialistic well no it doesn't because if I make loads of money that means I can help the people that that, you know don't have it at the moment and then they'll have it and then they can help someone else you know and it's just like let's change the story because it's you know it's not again who started that you know probably hollywood with some movie or something but you know probably some white middle-aged guy somewhere (laughs) who just thought actually let's let's perpetuate this who knows who knows where it came from but let's stop it and i'm glad that you're out there (laughs) with me putting this myth to bed and saying no this is a load of crap (laughs) oh i feel like i could talk to you all day but I know you've got other things to do and you need to get on with your day too so I would love you to just tell us about the new collection that you've got coming out yes um so this so as I said so I do hand-painted uh clothes and embroidery uh the embroidery stuff is the limited edition stuff so it's the vagina stuff and that's the one that I'm hoping um that I can with all the money I'm going to make with it, I'm going to be able to support LAWA, which is the Latin American Women's um, Foundation. And they support women who've uh, come into this country as immigrants and uh, are like going or trying to stay away from gendered violence uh, situations. And mm. so I do work with them already, uh, but I'm hoping that you know this will support them even more. And then the other side is uh, the hand-painted stuff, which is, again, the stuff that I, you know, that fills me with joy. So that you know, as a wearer, that the clothes have been made full of joy, probably me dancing whilst I paint, because I normally do that. Mm -hmm. They're all made in London as well, which is really important, because um, if you haven't watched The True Cost, I urge you to watch it, Um, because it's important to know where clothes come from, how are they Mm -hmm is making them and in what conditions and so I'm trying to give you an alternative to those things and yes it's not going to cost five pounds because life in London doesn't cost five pounds and you know the people that work with me are paid as they should be a London living wage and I think that's the you know that's anyway where most people or consumers are starting to become more aware of it so uh, my collection definitely uh, to that and it's made in raw cotton which is a very traditional fabric from El Salvador so you can be wearing a little bit of Latin vibes as well as feeling powerful and joyful so yeah oh, I love that and so where can people go to find your collections online oh you can go online at www.carogomez.com perfect uh, and, and where on social media is the best place for people to connect with you I'm probably more active on Instagram. Uh, so I'm Carol Gomez underscore London. And I, yeah, I'm there quite often. And you can see sort of me dancing when I'm painting. And <laughs> I do that normally around Tuesdays 
uh, and I also talk about vaginas and I uh, and I show you kind of the behind the scenes of how I'm getting on with things and even when things don't go to plan I share that as well because you know we got to see it kind of the good the bad and the ugly got to keep it real I love that yes amazing so to find those links and for more information about today's show take a look at the show notes in your podcast player or head over to corriejavid.com forward slash podcast forward slash caro which is c-a-r-o and we'll link everything up in there thank you so much for coming on the show caro it's been so wonderful chatting with you about everything we've spoken about today i think the listeners are gonna really love this show thank you so much for your time uh, thanks for having me it was uh, my pleasure and uh yeah keep keep it joyful guys keep it joyful <laughs> yes follow the joy love that so ladies, I hope you enjoyed listening to Caro and her interview as much as I enjoyed doing the interview. But in today's show, we called BS on that I don't have time story we tell ourselves. And if you've been convinced of the power of mindset, maybe you've been hanging around these parts for long enough that my opinion there started to rub off on you, but you've been feeling like you don't know how to incorporate a mindset routine into your already busy morning, then I've got a little something for you. I'm letting you steal my secrets. I figured out how to fit a morning mindset routine into my day every day without spending hours meditating or hours journaling. We don't have time for that. As you might already know by now, when I locked into place that morning mindset routine, my business exploded. That's when I went from zero to replacing my corporate salary fast in less than three months. That's when I doubled that corporate salary and then hit five figures and it has enabled me to continue growing my business from there. That's how powerful having a great mindset routine is. It's a success habit, ladies. You need one in your life. So trust me, you want to get your hands on this template. And the extra great news is it's free. How good is that? Head over to the Limitless Mother template shop at corriejavid.com forward slash shop. And at the bottom, you'll find where you can sign up and get your free copy of the Slay Your Day and Money Goals Morning Mindset Routine template. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you so much. If you've enjoyed listening to today's show, make sure you subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher so you don't miss out on any episodes. It would make my day, possibly even my week, if you could spare a minute and leave a review over on iTunes. And because I value your time so much, each month, one lucky reviewer will win a free success coaching call with yours truly. So if you'd love for us to pinpoint and then work through that one thing that's currently standing between where you are now and where you want to be, then definitely leave a review for your chance to win. Until next time, remember, you are limitless.